The concern of many in this day of uh, Twitter's decay and Instagram's development is what cell phones were originally designed for. A. An aid to social intercourse. B. An object of haptic fixation. C. A convenient tool for drug deals and sexual liaisons. Or D. A natural conduit to hear the voices of skateboarders. Okay, good evening. No. What's up, skaters? What's up, skaters? That's what we do. <laughs> What's up, rockers? Uh, hello, skateboarders. It's Vent City. It's a small cast tonight, but a profoundly interesting one. Uh, I am Kyle Beachy. I am going uh, to introduce you to the other two people who we have with us for this exciting episode, which I believe is episode 11. Um, the list is short but distinguished. First of all, we have Ryan Lay, professional skateboarder, Arizonan, um, maybe suffering from allergies. And we have Ted Barrow, New Yorker, art critic, um, and relapsed Instagram celebrity. Uh, <laughs> Gentlemen, how are you? You you said it. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. I uh I'm on jet lag right now and also a little bit of allergies. I'm I'm drinking a bottle of wine by myself in the dark. Is it red? It is. Dangerous. Why, Very really? dangerous. Oh no. Yeah. Don't tell me that. In the dark alone. Uh Ryan, let's start with your jet lag. Uh what's what's the deal with your jet lag? Uh just got back from Malaga, Spain with the Etnies crew. And yeah, I was out there for 10 days. It was fun, mellow, had rented an Airbnb, did two shop signings and the loose demos and mostly just street skated the whole time. It was nice. We had a small crew, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm tired right now feeling it. I must say that judging from your Instagram stories, I uh, have been liking the way that Nick Garcia skates a lot more than I uh, or not, I never dislike the way that he skates, but I like the mm -hmm. way that he skates on your Instagram stories quite a bit. That no yeah, slide to, to backsmith was cool as fuck. I think Nick kind of falls into the category, this happens to a lot of people, where they ride for companies that put up videos that don't um, play to their strengths. And then yeah. you know, they get a little, uh, I think the, the advantage of having social media now is that you get to dictate a little more what, what you put out. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Nick's awesome though. Big yes. fan. Same. Uh, Ryan, I know this wasn't our, our, our predetermined order of operations, but given that you just sort of spoke a little bit about, uh, Nick's experience as a pro, which was enlightened by your experience as a pro, I wonder, um, if you're down to talk at all about the piece of writing that you have coming out this week at Jankum. Yeah. Um, well, it'll probably be out, uh, Three and a half months yeah, ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. From <laughs> <laughs> this comes out. Uh, yeah, uh, my friend Nick at Jankum hit me up and asked me to write a story about, uh, well, not to write a story about pro skateboarding, but he just said that they had had an internal meeting and they were wanting more perspectives from pro skaters. Uh, he reached out to me and I was like, yeah, I'm interested. Um, obviously doing the podcast and 
you know, writing stuff on Twitter and, and shit. I am interested in talking about skating. So uh kind of took it as a uh I don't know, just a an impetus to try and write some things as I maybe not come to the end of my career, but I've ha- I feel like I've I've had a uh full-ish career at this point and uh it was a good time to kind of reflect on some things and mistakes I've made and uh you know just the journey and hopefully give some guidance and lessons to young skaters out there, I guess. I don't know. I'm interested to see what people think of it because, um, I'm, I'm definitely feeling like I put myself out there quite a bit and, uh, I'm a little worried that it's going to come across off as, I don't know, bitter or sanctimonious or something like that. So we'll see. Well, I mean, what, Sorry, what it is, I mean, it, it, it reads very obviously um, a very honest piece of writing. And also, um, yeah, I think you, you, you're right. I mean, you're, you're definitely vulnerable in the piece of writing, right? I mean, you're definitely speaking from a place, like you said, um, toward a later stage in your career and speaking um, very honestly about some mistakes that you've made. Uh, Ted, what did you think? Did you get a chance to read Well, it? I was going to ask what, um, what mistakes have you made that didn't make it in the piece that you could talk about today? So it's a piece of- no, no. That, I mean that. Deep in the, cuts. In the, I mean, I mean that. In, there's two reasons why I'm saying this. One, didn't read the piece, waiting for it to come out. <laughs> two, sorry. <laughs> and two, like, what are what are like, what's a way to like talk no, about? No, it'll be what, it'll be much nicer when at. it has photos. Uh, yeah, no, but like what you're getting at without like specifically citing something that you you've written about and agonized over like what, well i mean you know hindsight's 2020 and you're kind of navigating the trends and arcs of companies and that was kind of something that i wanted to touch on and also yeah. speak about some of the larger structural issues and complications with being a professional skateboarder you know which can be difficult to talk about in a way that doesn't come across as bitter or ungrateful um and I did share it with a couple of people that uh, sponsor me just to get their perspective. And it was interesting hearing their side of the story um, because obviously it's like you, they see things through a different lens entirely. So, yeah. What's a way, I mean, cause bitter or sanctimonious are like the two poles of like your kind of worst case scenario of how people take that. And right. that those are very interesting holes to establish because bitter means that, like you're ungrateful and and like your life is ruined because of this like wonderful gift that you've been given or been blessed with and sanctimonious means that like you know too well the problems with this thing and you've done it too long or something and so i'm curious like because i because i think that both of those are things that are imagined like you've imagined that someone's going to project onto this piece you know? Yeah. Like I think that people have a hard time with uh, talking in general about skateboarding. Uh, yeah. And, oh, are and you kidding? Tra- yeah. This was yeah. This. <laughs> <laughs> Not us. Yes. And, uh, and transparency. <laughs> and it's like this really interesting paradox where everyone wants to know what it looks like behind the scenes. But then the second someone tries to do it, I think that people are really reactive towards it. And yeah, I don't know. For me, it was yeah, just like, yeah. I, I, I want to be as transparent as possible so that people know what it looks like, because why not? You know, I mean, yeah. there's no way right. to change the kind of bigger structural issues that 
are a problem in skateboarding without addressing them first, you know? And it's funny because anyone who's ever been in the world or the realm of professional skateboarding, like they're, this is total commonplace, but, um, I've just found that, uh, something that's really common is I talk with friends, uh, Kyle, you're one of them that, um, know a great deal about skateboarding are incredibly intelligent people, but they don't know a whole lot about how the industry works. And so, right. Um, you know, I mean, I think when you were writing your Mark Sutu piece, you hit me up a couple times and we're like, yeah, I just don't really, um, it's nice to get some feedback from someone in the industry. And I mean, yeah. I, like on a very basic level, something that's really funny is just <laughs> people have no idea how much money anyone makes. And I mean, I yeah. made a joke about this on Twitter, <laughs> but I was like, uh, my friend Ari told me, he's like, you know, what's more interesting is than writing a, a a piece about skateboarding is just to list out all the money that you've ever made in skateboarding because literally everyone who touches a skateboard would be interested to read that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what 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 is that about, man? I mean, like you know, so in my industry in academia, um, you know, all of us make very different amounts of money, right? Like it's it's yeah. wildly um, uh, unfair. Right. Like the idea of parity and the idea of regulation or like, you know, um, any sort of organization or logic to who makes what kind of money um, is totally out the window. Right. So there is a movement recently among academics to be more forthright and be more transparent about what you make so that, you know, for the basic sort of idea of uh, worker solidarity, we might be able to affect some level of um, you know, parity or equity or justice in among those of us who all share this job. So what do you think it is for skaters that stops any sort of like information passing between skaters in the industry and non-skaters and sub question, like, do you know how much other skaters make or is that not talked about either? Very loosely. I know like my good friends, I know how much they make. Um, yeah, it's tough. And yeah, you're on teams with people and there's like incredible uh, right. uh, Disparity. disparities in the, the income levels. Uh, and again, like some of that has to do with uh, maybe s- some argument you could make for meritocracy. Like, you know, I don't expect me to make as much as Chris Joslin when I go on tour with him. He's got a huge audience. He's got a huge following. He wins, you know, international contests. Uh, right. But, um, yeah, the, wait, the first question that you asked was, why don't, what, like, why are so many non-professional skaters? Why are so many of us who just do it, who are in skateboarding so wildly like misinformed about what we think skaters make? Right. Cause I think people are generally just think a lot more than is actually real. I could, I mean, could I jump in on this? Yeah, please. Yeah, please. I sort of think that because if you started in like, if your first video was uh, dying to live or something like skateboarders were professional skaters were rock stars. And when I first started skateboarding, like there were like literally maybe 25 professional skateboarders in the late eighties, you know? So they did right. have a big salary and they were kind of like, so I think like the model of a professional skateboarder has not evolved in people's minds. Whereas it's evolved yeah. in terms of like a career model for actual professional right. skateboarders. Yeah, I mean, I think that, exactly. We still worship professional skateboarders, you know, like, and I think that 
we often too often conflate social media following and the um you yeah. know like the the fame that comes with or the, like the notoriety that comes with being a professional skateboarder with being able to make a uh, a living wage and you know sometimes there's a, yeah. a parallel there but oftentimes there's not and it's just it, again as i wrote in the piece it's just kind of a crapshoot for most skaters one of the other things that you said that i think is really interesting or maybe a kind of theme of the article that i think is really interesting is basically like have other things in your life right starting with friends and then up to interests and then maybe even like other activities where you can be creative and you know use some of the same interior kind of magic that makes you good at skateboarding like you spend that elsewhere um is that for you a regret or is that something you feel like you've done most of your career uh it's something that i i mean i really have only had a career my late 20s on and I, I mean, again, it's like, I guess I would define career as making a living wage off of skateboarding. So mm. I've been in, in sponsored skateboarding for a long time. And in my early 20s, I got to travel and make, you know, scraps. And then in my later 20s, I was able to make a living wage. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that it really helps uh, with a lot of things. Like, again, the stress of, of dealing with injuries and um the coming future and the you know i mean I, I, if you're in your late 20s or early 30s like you know that it's around the corner I, it might be a few years or it might be 10 years but you know that it's coming and i think that having things that um you know having interests outside of skating like really helps you navigate the your exit strategy or build out your exit strategy and also just kind of yeah. deal with the off time because you know there's a there is a thing that happens when you commodify your your passions and it's a really tough thing to talk about because everyone who is obsessed with skateboarding which is all of the people who are listening to the show uh you know, uh, for a lot of <laughs> folks it's their dream to become a professional skateboarder and I know that you can relate to that Kyle because you've written a, a a book that you made some money off of but there is a a kind of a shift in the in the stress and pressure when you every time you pick up a book every time you pick up a skateboard every time you you know go go to the skate park like you feel that weight on you and it's uh you know you can you can tap into that space where it is a stress relief um or it's like a yeah like a stress relief but um <clears throat> i think that you're always kind of thinking about ways that you can, I don't know, work on your career, I guess. Like a, at least that's been the case for me. Yeah. I think that, I, I, I think that's a super um, shared and common and deeply sort of fucked up reality, right? That the thing we love can also be a thing that sort of undoes us, which maybe is proof that we love it. But like, yeah, you're right. Like there were times there were there were entire years when I couldn't walk into bookstores because just the complexity of my own sort of ambitions and frustrations and wherever I was with whatever writing project I was working on mm -hmm. just made the experience incredibly um, 
like nauseating, right? Like I would actually feel physically, um, uncomfortable in, in bookstores. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I and, think and have, have to fun. have that happen to skateboarding <laughs> sounds miserable. Well, and it's like, have fun talking to someone about that. Like they have absolutely no right. pity for you. Oh, you're a tortured <laughs> artist. You get to go on tours and do right. demos. Like, it, you know, we're, working full time and trying to go out and film on the weekends. It's, it's impossible. Like you, you can't right. get that across to right. anybody. Um, but as someone who has spent a good deal of my life working to make a living wage, I, I truly have kind of seen both sides of the picture and feel like I can speak a little more honestly about it. Um, versus yeah. some of my, you know, there's a lot of people in skateboarding that dropped out of high school Only or turned pro skateboarding. shortly after high school. Yeah. How's it going with that bottle of wine, Ted? Uh, working on it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've been on a sober streak lately, so. But yeah. So, so you're breaking I it. F- yeah. I feel like I want to reiterate this and I tried to write this in the piece, but like, you know, being a professional skateboarder has been the joy of my life. In no way do I feel ungrateful or bitter about it, but I think that um, it's fun and interesting to kind of pull the curtain back and, and show people what the mechanics of, of being a professional skateboarder looks like. And if that makes people uncomfortable, like, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. No, I think it, I think it's an incredibly valuable thing that you've written. I I do wonder, I mean, this idea about, uh, ungrateful and this kind of gets back to what Ted, you know, the way that Ted started this with bitter and sanctimonious, but like, I don't, I don't have any idea why writing openly about the experience of a skateboarder uh, of being a professional skateboarder would in any way align with um, a lack of gratitude or, you know, speaking of your experience as somehow being, um, you know, ungracious or in some way like selling out the industry or something. I don't, I don't know that I exactly know where that sensitivity is coming from, but then I, I think for like five seconds and it's obvious like, Oh yeah, because that's how skateboarding is. Like skateboarding is incredibly sensitive. It's incredibly fragile and you know, people don't like the conversation changing generally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, all right. So (laughs) with that in mind, um, we are, we, we shouldn't, we should acknowledge that we are missing Alex White this evening and Kristen Ebeling this evening and Ted Schmitz this evening. Um, and we know where at least one of those people is and it's Ted Schmitz and he's just got called away to go to the premiere of the new Supreme video <laughs> in San Francisco that he thought was tomorrow night. Um, much in large part to, uh, Jim Thibault giving him the wrong schedule. Damn, um, Jim T under the bus. Well, I feel like someone's got to go down. I've been watching Succession, and I know if yeah. there's anything I learned is that someone has to fall. Yeah. Someone must die. You just tommed him. T- <laughs> uh, we have we have two real subjects this evening to get into. Uh, I, I feel like I got to make note that uh, Alex White started her first day as my team manager at Crux Trucks, and I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> So is she TM? Say what you know about that gig, because I'm sort of in the dark about it. All I know is the group chat, and I hit her up today and was like, hey, can you send me a box of trucks? Nice. (laughs) Because I actually (laughs) did need some. And she's like, yeah, I'm actually shadowing Ron for the next two weeks. And I was like, oh, that's perfect, because you can fuck up my box. But if you fuck up Chaz's box, he's not going to be happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, show me some clips, man. But yeah, it's trucks. uh, I feel like a really big moment and i don't i think that she kind of downplayed that but i don't can't recall ever there being a woman 
who is in a team manager role for a team of mostly guys. Yeah. Yeah. So fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really stoked. I mean, Alex is my friend in general, but I just, am real, I feel like that's a really big, uh, hurdle right there. Small hurdles, big hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. It's sick as hell. I think we should also acknowledge that Ted Schmitz likewise is doing professional things with his life, right? He's not, he's not doing what his, job has been for the last three years he's out in california doing totally different work so kudos to ted schmitz he, for that he's not doing uh, the quarter of the jo- his job which is uh delivering the show on time yeah <laughs> that's, he's not doing that that, but, um, that remains to be developed yeah. i'm gonna have to start editing the show i think oh, fuck. uh ted how's your professional life barrow mine uh yeah shambles yeah there's Currently only one good. ted yeah. on this show on the show right now so we could just refer i know to you as ted. i know all right um no, I'm, I'm teaching and I'm I'm redirecting my energies back to writing my dissertation. And that's uh, honestly really fucking hard. And I've been skating my curb quite a bit. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you learn new tricks. You want to tell us about learning new tricks at age 46? 43. But uh, oh, right. I'm sure I'll be trying to learn tricks at 46 as well. No, I don't know. It's fine. Uh, I'm skating a lot and that's cool. And I'm also what? wondering why. <laughs> like what what it is what the weird correlation between like professional turmoil and like doing a good backside tail slide is right 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 like why are you ripping right now yeah i know and 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 then i think back on on 32 years of of like a spotty relationship with skateboarding I'm like every time that like my life has been in shambles i've actually been kind of ripping <laughs> Huh. Ted, can I just be fully transparent with you and just say that I totally relate to you? I, I definitely <laughs> I mean, have been. Right? I've been. I've been in a weird kind of transitional stage for the last year, and feel like in the last month or so, it's it's accelerated. And I've also been skating better than ever. Um, and I say that because I've, I don't know, in the past six months, I felt like I was kind of skating like shit. So it's a weird thing. Yeah, uh, but a very real thing. It is. I mean, I'm, and I'm also not sure, like, I also sort of think that the way that we perceive how we're ripping is extremely su- subjective. Um, you know, like, like maybe we're not ripping, but like skateboarding means more to us when the le- the rest of our life isn't ripping. And, and so like, yeah, but like, I, I was like, I haven't been sleeping well, like I'm, I'm struggling through a chapter writing. And yesterday I just pushed the backside tail side as far as I could fucking go on a four inch curb. And honestly, I, I'm on top of the world about it. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Uh, uh, no, it's just like, I was like, I'm going to learn a trick. I'm going to do this. And, and like, I was like, yeah, fuck it. What do I have to lose? Um, and then I, and you know, yeah, more broadly, like that's kind of, I think the moment you like get past age 18, um, every triumph in skateboarding is a defeat in real life. That's really interesting. But you don't think before 18, because I feel like that's sort of like the core mythos of what skateboarding is, right? Like home life is shit. Yeah. So you go out and you've just got to skate. 
right? Like, and I, I, I kind of, you know, recognize that that's no longer really the model, right? That in fact, home life can be wonderful and your parents can drive you to skateboarding class at school or whatever now. But like, isn't that sort of still the, the, the legend and the idea that we hold on to that like skateboarding is the escape and it's, it's the thing that'll always be there for us. So it would make sense that the more we need it, the more like there it is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely grateful for that. But, um, yeah. Uh, I think I coasted along for the last couple of years on thinking like, oh, okay, I'm I'm telling everyone I'm writing my P- my dissertation, I'm working on my PhD. That's a cool thing to say. And now I actually have to do it, and it's fucking hard. Huh? And and uh, skateboarding is not as hard as writing a d- dissertation. <laughs> Trust me. You don't think so? Fuck no. Are you kidding? Absolutely not. It never it never took me. That's really insulting, Ted. Sorry, but like, <laughs> like I, if I, if I really wanted to at 43, I, I could probably tell, make myself nolly front salad, a fucking 12 stair rail. <laughs> no, you could. No, no, I'm serious. I like, if I really wanted to, I can, I can like, like the no, I like the nolly front salad. <laughs> no, 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 I've watched be, you fucking job, obliterate like, your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But like <laughs> on a curve. Yeah. True. But like, let's do trading, uh, trading places and, uh, and you can come film my video part and I'll write your dissertation, Ted. <laughs> wait, wait, this actually does raise a, an issue that I've been wanting to ask for a long time. And now that there, there are only the two of you here, I feel maybe more comfortable asking it, which is Ryan is here's the thing I've always wondered. And, and thank you, Ted, for the gateway to this. Mm-hmm. Is skateboarding hard for you, Ryan? Like yeah. what, 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 what about skateboarding for you is like the challenge? Is it, is it bigger? Is it like, like, is, is it about scope and scale or is there something else? Cause for me, skateboarding is difficult in a myriad, yeah. like radical uh, array of different ways. And I always wonder for someone like you who is exceptionally good at skateboarding, like where it becomes hard. And can you speak to that at all? Uh, yeah, it's hard on a quarter pipe. Uh, no, <laughs> right, transition A one. The quarter pipe. Got it. My answer. It's the quarter pipe. I think the thing that uh, I strive for, and probably like a lot of other people in my wheelhouse, is to do things that are interesting, and that's tough. You know, like I do feel like I have a a skill, and uh, but it's there's a lot of people with a lot of talent that could skate and it's hard to produce things that are interesting and trying to figure out what that is and what is relevant and current and feels like it's in the, in the time or maybe ahead of its time, but that's pretty rare for most skaters. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would just say like, that's the, that's the kind of goal and the, the thing that I strive for and it's tough. Yeah. I don't know. I go through, I, I kind of feel like I've gone through a couple years of feeling like I'm, I'm like in my moment and writing that piece. I I had this reflection where I, and I was going through some old parts today where I was, <laughs> I looked at uh, some old hard drives and I was yeah, trying to the find fedora. photos for that. And I was like, man, I have full parts wearing a brown fedora. Um, and I just was thinking, I was like, man, I was really bad at skating from like 18 to 20 and then 21 to 23. I like really felt like I hit my stride and then 24 to like 27, I got really bad again. And then 27 on I, yeah. And so a lot of that has to do with sponsors and, um, 
you know, the people that you're skating with and your relationship with skateboarding. Uh, but for whatever reason, yeah, it's been like in these intermittent, uh, stages for me where I feel like I know, like I can, I can kind of compete, you know? And I, I feel like competing is a, a pretty crass word to use, but it is kind of what we're doing, right? You know, it's like, how can we stay relevant and contribute to the conversation in an interesting way where you're inspiring people to skateboard, you know? Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, you know, just on a totally incredibly rudimentary level, the fact that when you speak of what skateboarding is, it's almost like assumed what you mean is filming parts, yeah. right? Like yeah. w when you speak of d skating, you, you actually are saying like putting video footage out into the world, which for the vast majority of us, like, isn't actually a factor, right? Like when I think about what's hard about skateboarding, I don't think about clips at all. Like what I think about is the, the various like ways that my body is falling apart and the various, um, abilities that I no longer have and like what I want to do. And I don't even know often like what I want to do on a skateboard. Um, so I think that's interesting, but I also think that like, I don't know, on a, on a, on a really basic level, it's, it's strange to think of a career as having different sort of, um, I don't know, shades or different periods, right? Like you're at the place right now where it seems like to me, um, you're sort of down with making parts in the Tempe park, returning yourself to the Tempe park and becoming like familiar again with the Tempe park. Um, but I'm also kind of curious, like, you know, what else do you want to do? Like, are you done with rails at this point in your career? Or do you, do you still want to like jump onto handrails? No, I like, yeah, I like pushing myself. Um, and I, I like scaring the shit out of myself. I think that that's just a thing that I know because you weren't raised on uh, early toy machine and zero videos, but I, it's no. this weird thing where all of my friends who are a little older are like, Oh cool. You're kind of in this stage where you feel comfortable. Like, so you're just going to like not skate rails and stuff anymore. And I'm like, no, I love scaring myself. Even if I wasn't getting paid to skateboard, I would still want to scare myself. Cause that's, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just a tough, yeah, I don't know. And I, it's so hard to even hear you say that Kyle. And I, the, the just the bit Why? about, um, not, producing video parts or producing clips because so much of being a sponsored skateboarder is just being a performer. And I don't know any other right. way around that, you know, like I do right. go to the skate park and try to skate well, right. and I'll go skate street spots sometimes by myself, um, without a filmer, but <laughs> Ted's walking through his, his house yes, right. stuff, like a <laughs> Witch project. Please, please uh, it's so dark in yeah, Ted's yeah. weird upper West is, side man. apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Ted, Ted you're really going through a dark period in your life, huh? Yeah, I, I literally blanked out. You're talking about like being a professional skateboarder and I gone black. <laughs> um, you just tapped in that question about fear, which I think is really interesting, which is like the, the radical opposite of my experience with skateboarding, right? Like the thing that's always stopped me from ever getting better at skateboarding has been fear. And so the fact that you like actually are a skater who searches out fear and pushes toward some sort of experience of fear is just un, un, unendingly interesting to me. Yeah, um, I can, I can uh, add to that in the dark because like, I had like one period, like from like age 17 or 16 to like 
18 where I was like, I actually want to challenge myself and like scare myself with skateboarding. And then the moment I think I broke my ankle, I was like, okay, no more fear, you know? Yeah. And, and like, and, and, you know, I mean, y'all saw, I did a fakey nose grind Swiss front shove at 43 on a fucking four inch curb. I can still skate, but like, um, <laughs> like I, I, there was never that like impetus to like do a bigger handrail much after age 20 for me you know right because like i was mm-hmm. just like i'm not really interested in like the fear aspect isn't like a fucking compelling thing for me with skateboarding you know yeah like yeah i'm, I'm not gonna quit skateboarding and i'm i'm gonna push myself in a different direction but like i don't want to fucking be gnarly right so this is interesting. I mean, to me, for for two of the people, two of the three people who aren't here right now, and one of them is Kristen, who just is like seems to be progressing and learning new tricks all the time, um, which I take like sort of grave personal offense to that she just like continues to uh, increase her abilities on a skateboard. And then Ted, who is a very, very, very good skateboarder who like decides out of the blue, I'm going to get better at switch flips because I think the switch flips that I do are ugly and I would like them to be less ugly. Yeah. Like it's just such a fucking, is it, isn't it just a very strange thing? Like the fact that all of our motivations of the X number of hundreds of thousands of people who ride skateboards that probably were all doing it for slightly different reasons. Like that to me seems magical and important. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I want to jump back to when you asked about, you know, like what is the driving force now that I'm at this different kind of stage in my career? But I do feel like right. a lot of it has to do with wanting to inspire people, you know, and also kind of understanding that you have an audience, you know, like I have a, a small but sizable audience and I want to do projects that I feel like I can kind of leave my mark on skateboarding, you know, and I, I'll, that feels incredibly performative and grandstanding, but you know, I want to contribute my, my voice to this thing that I've spent so much of my life obsessed with. And, um, the difficult thing with navigating professional skateboarding is that you don't always get the opportunity to craft things in, um, your exact vision. You know, not everyone gets to have a part in minefield, And, (laughs) and so, you try to kind of work within the confines of whatever projects you're working with. But now I'm kind of, I actually have like some projects that are in the works that I'm pretty excited about because I now have some people that I trust and have a really good working relationship with. And I have travel budget and the freedom to not have to focus on other projects for companies. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still definitely have like, as long as I can make money skateboarding, I have a whole host of different projects that I want to do. And a lot of those are trying to break the mold of a kind of traditional video part, you know? Um, and I think that there's a lot of people who are, uh, who are attempting that right now and succeeding. And I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, space for, skate videos, you know, I mean, you guys spent an hour talking about, uh, Suchu's new part, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are messing with the forum and trying to figure out new models and, and what excites people. But you know, the, the end goal is like, how do we get people stoked to skate? You know, like you want them to be in awe and also feel inspired to go skateboard and make things. 
Can you, are you at a place where you can talk anymore about like what you see as the potential that maybe is unrealized right now about the skateboard video? Like if we say that, okay, one of the reasons why several of us, maybe more than several of us geeked out over the Mark Sutru part is that he took it very seriously, right? He, Mm -hmm. he treated the skate skateboard video as an act of composition and like, you know, treated it as seriously as other people who have composed, um, objects in the past have. Um, and, and so if we say that that was a distinction from a traditional part in a, a, a sort of deliberation, a sort of planning, a sort of, um, execution to fit a vision, um, and, and, you know, holding himself to a very, very high standard of maintaining what that vision was, right? Like setting a goal and then making his way to that goal. Um, can you say like, if you don't want to speak of it specifically, just abstractly, like what you think a different angle into a skateboard part might look like for you? Um, I mean, I know specifically for me, and this has been done before, but I want to do projects that are kind of at the intersection of documentary and skateboarding. I think that for me, I think that there's like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of interesting space for telling narrative or a kind of documentary style piece about a place or a scene, but that also has skate really solid skateboarding in it, you know, because we kind of have had historically in the past 10 years, a lot of really great pieces that have come out about skateboarding that are, uh, you know, whether they're biographical or they're kind of documentary style pieces. But, um, unfortunately those kind of just reach the traditional quote unquote smart skater who's wants to get a little peek behind the curtain and don't make it to a place like Thrasher. Right. That's interesting because that means then that like really good skateboarding is the sort of like rhetorical device that gets people then to notice everything else that's going on in the part, right? Like instead of, hey, here is a documentary about a person or a place um, and here is some skating that that person or that takes place in that place, like where skating is the afterthought. It sounds like what you're saying is the skating is central enough so that people have to pay attention to what's going on in the space where the people are skating. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think that people who are listening to this show can relate to the fact that, I mean, we were just talking about this cause we're going to go into talking about the bench door and video and passport, but it's kind of tough to talk about skateboard videos that don't have a message. kind of deeper message yeah. or meaning. Yeah. And, uh, not to say that they're they're not exciting or they don't get me stoked to skate, but um, I think that a lot of people are searching for something with a little more substance. And you know, like when I watch that share strawberry documentary, I just wanted to go skate. I was like, this is fucking rad. Like it doesn't. Right. It had good skateboarding in it also, um, but there are pieces that showcase skateboarding that get you stoked to skate. And it's like that's that's a good video, you know. At the end of the right. day, whereas you know, how many people can relate to the fact that there's just video parts that come out every single day for companies. And it's just hard to, to break the, I don't know, break the noise, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, so on that point and for better or worse, um, we, we picked two videos to kind of focus on for this issue, um, which is risky. Cause again, uh, we don't know when this issue, this episode, we don't know. I like, when it. It's gonna I like come issue. Out. It sounds like a magazine. This issue. <laughs> uh, so the, the two that we've picked, 
and I don't know exactly how, and maybe we should start by talking about how we picked them. Um, it's the new Passport video and the new Ben Chadbourne video, um, which is called Boom, which is a Paris video. And maybe I realize now in saying that, that the reason we picked that or the reason I brought it up is because, Ted, you um, are like a parasophyte. You like have like a, you have a More rich- feel. A parasophil is actually exactly what I meant. Uh, so, as as the closest thing that we on this podcast have to a Parisian, can you <laughs> oh, say a little bit about what your reaction to this bed chatboard video boom is? Because it's all Paris. Yeah, they're not all Parisians, but a lot of them are, and you can almost pick them out. Yeah. See, what do I you can... think about this video? Well, I I prefer like Lobie's videos. You know, I feel like Ben was paying his dues to like include like cl- you know like classic blobie tropes what are the classic blobie tropes you know, in your mind um it's like um what's that shop you know just like uh like something tech on a small curb <laughs> or like hauling, <laughs> hauling a big gap into like some like that that one spot that everyone skates which interestingly enough like like near garde Lyon, which like like interestingly enough overlaps with the password video you know that one, like the curve. That's with the the yeah. the gray yeah, yeah, yeah. granite with the the hubbas. Which, yeah. like, incidentally, twenty years ago, no one would have skated. Almost veering on having seen too much of that spot. Yeah, 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 same. Like, played out. like I, I don't want to. Let's go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like after Jack O'Grady to jump ahead, like like backside fifty fifty, the double set ledge. Yeah, like right, I, we don't need to see any more of that spot. The, I don't care how there's many always a- slappies you can do. There's always a tattooed man that's skating the yeah. hubbub going very slowly. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to hug that tattooed man too. Uh, Wait, which, which one? one? Are we talking about the one in the passport video, or are we talking about the one from the Ben Chadboard video? The one that did the, no, the slappy no slide show. The, the, the other one, They're like not that was in the passport not, video. Not Manuel. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a Australian shake. But they're probably both the same. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah, the blowy trope of like, uh, you know, like like sexy dudes and fucking like one stars like doing clackety ollies. How did Converse just totally fucking lock down Paris? Like, how did that happen? Because uh, all I those think it was kids. Duffel. No, no, it's, like, it's pre-Duffel. It's like, all I'm those just, kids. I'm just kidding. All those kids like 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 found their own weird style which kind of has to do with the French new wave. And they're like, like slightly like ill fitting Levi's and like short and high converses and, and kind of skating like Popolardo. I mean, that's interesting, right? Like to, to say that we've got a, we've, we've found a sort of meeting point here of Jean-Luc Godard and um, like the, the New Jersey nets. Yeah. Right. Like we found like this weird bothness um, that is like nostalgia for America 1950s, which is um, all, with like more America with 1950s more cigarettes. It's like a, a nostalgia for like Amer- America in Paris 1940s. Like it, right? Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of the the Chad Bourne video? Were you into it? Or I, I again, I'm always like, you got to understand. Like it freaks me out a little bit to still talk to you uh, in a normal way because I still have this big, big foundational question, which is like not only what's it like to be Ryan Lay and ride a skateboard, but also like, what's it like to be Ryan Lay and watch other people skateboard yeah. and know that you're better than yeah, them? Totally. Like, so what's it like to watch the Ben Jadboard video for <laughs> that is you? That so not the truth. 
Oh god, this podcast sucks. Um, no, this podcast rules. Um, it, yeah, I don't know. I loved it. Uh, I thought it was great. I'm a huge fan of uh, drop a video unannounced, not for a brand. Yeah. It's just an edit of your friends, and also feel like ten to fifteen minutes is the perfect length. It's a full length skate video now. It's like the perfect length of video that you want to yeah. watch. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love Paul Grund. Uh, he's probably my favorite skater from that scene. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just lo- the clip of him uh, grinding the hubba in slow motion and then just completely eating shit. That uh, got me. That got dying. me dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like the new trend in skate videos of non-spot skating and then also mix that in with like gnarly real videos because I feel like it it helps segment things and and break things what up do you, because what do you mean by non-spot skating <laughs> what you were talking no, about seriously. like when people no i mean like yes. when people skate like a shitty ledge or they skate a curb and you can tell that there's just a session of people that are skating and it's not when when paul oh, grun yeah. goes to f- to 50 50 the whatever 12 flat 12 hubba they're like going there for him to do that that's like a yeah. trick from a but then it's like in, like, in the model like of how you film an old video yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it's like, yeah, it's it's nice because I feel like when there's an on in companies in the US really need to ke- p- catch up with this, but when there's just an onslaught of amazing tricks at cool spots, it just it gets a little overwhelming. Especially when yeah. it's not broken up with periods of non-scored skating, like it has to have sections with music and then sections without music like really helps with the pacing and when it's just part is, after part of is that music the, it's really tough and i felt like that was one critique i had of the passport video which was that it was a little too much in the traditional mold of a skate video where it's tough to watch 40 minutes of really good skateboarding without feeling um like you're just kind of getting numb to it yeah i wanted to see more i agree with you because like Part of, the, part of the thrill for me with watching the Passport video and Passport is a company that I absolutely love. It's like top three in my... Same. I love Pantheon. it. Like, but like, I was just like, I want to get a sense of like where these dudes skate all the time. Like, like I want right. like a sense of the spot. And I think that's what you're talking about, like the non-spot. Like, how do these people hang out? Because like every single dude's part, or not every single one, but like a lot of them were like, he was either in Paris la or melbourne melbourne or fucking sydney you know like and i and i couldn't tell like i, I was like where am i are we in london are we yeah you know and uh-huh. I, I mean it, it depended on the skater but like in each case i was just like no i want to see let me you know what's one, one one thing i really love too about that uh the sh- the boom edit was the and this is an advantage that non company like if you just put out a homie edit has is putting in people that are just average at skateboarding into your edit uh i think is like a i don't know i I really yeah. really love that because it makes things way more yeah. relatable instead of just again yeah like totally. people who are way too fucking good at skateboarding and it's just they're just beating you over the head with it yeah 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 totally including other people on the session because they're always part of the session 
exactly. I want to go back to something you guys said earlier that I don't totally understand, which is um, like, I understand that people are super into passport and I feel like my enthusiasm for passport is sort of like a trickle down enthusiasm um, because people I respect are super into them, but I have not yet seen a thing that like makes me individually like super hyped for this company. Can you guys tell me what it is about passport Passport that makes them a top three company? Passport is the brand that every designer who works for all the skate companies, it's their favorite brand. Yeah. They have like, like all of graphics and like Callum Paul. Like it's, it's kind of, no, I don't know. They like made Australian skateboarding look rad and seem fucking fun. And Australian skateboarding huh. didn't always seem like seem that way. See, but their board, like when I think of their aesthetic, like when I think of their boards, and correct me their if I'm wrong, but what I like think brown of brown underply, beautiful, right, right. But what I think of is like Scumco or Snack or, um, you know, something that's sort of like line drawings over basic colors, and they do it well. But I don't know exactly aesthetically like what it is about them that. Because I agree, like everything you're saying lines up with everything I hear from other people about Passport. I just don't see what it is. I think they're uh, incredibly considerate with the the level of detail with their clothing and with their boards and with their designs. And people who are real design nerds pick up on that. And yeah. I think that that's what sets them apart from a lot of other small brands. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't see a lot of kids who are interested in Passport in the States. Um, I wish they were, but... Yeah, damn shame. It should be. Who, who, who distributes them? Is it... It's distributed it's through Weekend. Oh, right. Yeah, which was, I feel like, a pretty cool uh, alliance right there. Yeah, it is. And they, likewise, have a video coming out very soon. They were just... Uh, they're on filming trips right now. So that could be cool. Uh Ted, what do, what do you think? Of, I mean, are you down with this whole Passport video? It's 36 minutes long or something. No, I, I honestly, it, it kind of uh, stretched my attention. I watched it twice because um, I'm at later times. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what does that mean? You, you're like ahead of us? I, I, wanted, like, I, I wanted to prepare for this talk. And I was like, oh, I see. I was like, I'm going to watch this once and now I'm going to watch it twice. I and, see. And, uh, D- did it reward you for that second viewing? Yeah, they're rad. It's awesome. I hope I watch it again. Um, yeah. But like also, I, I didn't understand why the video was called Kitsch. I think Kitsch is like a an uncomfortable like mixture of the high and low. And I and maybe that's Passport Steel. It's like it's, it's no, like, there's no, it, it, there's nothing very kitsch about Passport. I feel like it's a very well, no, but, I don't think so either. Maybe it is. Like that's the thing is their design is like really high concept and like kind of beautifully executed. And then it's just like a bunch of um, beer drinking Aussies. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like and 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 I've heard that. Like my Australian friends are like, oh, they're, they're rad, but <laughs> they're also just like ragers that's fucking awesome kitsch is cool and also kitsch sort of comes out of the context of like uh the like early globalization of the 17th century when like dutch people were bringing (laughs) back things from like other places that were decontextualized and they're like oh it's kitsch because they didn't understand where it fit in so maybe i do understand the concept of the video because it's like all these dudes (laughs) like making like a a world-spanning video part 
like this 35 minute video of like these dudes skating all over the world and like they have maybe you understand the meaning of the video more than they do well that's That's the the danger of kids i know (laughs) right yeah uh the kitsch is according to early modernism the anti-avant-garde it's the it's the like detract it pulls away from progressive right ted yeah sorry thank you (laughs) that's a go (laughs) <laughs> uh I, let's talk about this favorite favorite parts let's start with the passport video favorite parts oh yeah i mean i gotta say there is not he's the tall guy there has not been a part that has felt more special to me this year than that callum paul part yeah and i know I that mean, uh that it's fresh but man that that part made me feel something I've watched every, it probably five times in the last three days. Every one of his huh. parts makes me feel like that. Like I'm like, this guy looks like he was made to yeah. skate, and he and every time he skates, I'm like, this is like 1970s, like like the graphic of a skateboarder, but he's also doing the tricks that I want to see anyone do right now, and not right? too painfully hard either, right? No, that's the thing yeah. is that it's relatable but difficult on interesting spots that also feel like spots that are approachable and that you could. You could imagine yourself skating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I. Yeah, he does also have know. that thing where it feels like at all times that he is he is skating as well as he can, right? Like not that he is exerting himself over like over ambitiously, but that he's doing things that are at the like yeah. the edge of his abilities, which I respect. He's, I got and appreciate. Yeah. I got serious. Go ahead. I got serious Preston Harper vibes from him. Uh, and I've had I felt that way before, and pre- it's funny because Preston is a very uh, technically gifted skater who does kind of combo tricks on ledges similar to Callum Paul, and drinks a bunch of beer. Yeah, yeah. I just like I. It seems like he's always going to be this rad. Like I wasn't sure if his part was going to be good because he's put out a lot of parts. He always produces, and but he's always. But so I was good. just like he 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 skates fast. And he has this like really distinct style and it looks awesome always. I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, but literally like my last favorite part of it, like my last favorite part in skateboarding was one of his like five years ago. And it was like, I was like, this is probably his last part. And he just keeps putting them up and they, they all make me happy. And I love it. I like, I love that this is just turning into a, a Callum Paul fan out. Cause I've mutual feeling for me. Uh, yeah, I one thing that I noticed, I tried to to take notes for uh, for this episode, but he's always interacting with strangers throughout the oh. park, which makes makes you yeah. really, uh, I don't know, like you have you develop this weird affection for him because you're he's interacting with uh, just people on the street. Like literally, there's a few clips where he's like talking to people in the middle of the clip, yeah, while he's yeah, skating, yeah. and uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah, it's like he skates. He looks kind of like a mess, which also makes you, uh, Love I don't him. know. It, yeah, it makes, yeah, he's a lovable mess. I mean, in like also his like that one part where he like jumps on the, the bus for the like omnibus or whatever, and like the guy flicks him off and he's already buying beer. It's just like so awesome. Like there's a lot of <laughs> shots of him buying beer in that part as well. <laughs> Uh, did anybody else catch any feelings for Jack O'Grady? You did. Who I've oh, never heard of before. I think, yeah. I think you may have. Can you explain why? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, are you suggesting I was just trying to bring the conversation back to me? Yeah. No, I just mean like you don't want to talk about yeah, Alan Paul. I did. I did mention I, I did mention Jack O'Grady. Uh, I was just a little shocked 
um, he just seemed at once incredibly angry at everything he was skating at and also like very, very, very composed. Yeah. Um, and I liked everything about him. Like there were several people in this video who I had never seen before who like seemed to me to be a weird balance of at least two different impulses. Um, like, you know, whoever had that first opening part, um, yeah, he seemed to me to be like a combination of like this incredibly like charming looking young man, but also just like a rugby hooligan, like at once. So, yeah. So there were, there were several, there were several times in this video where I just felt like there was a lot of, um, ambivalence, like doing two things at once, which I appreciated, but I, I, I do. I mean, and I think this gets back to what we were just saying that like the, again the trope that the best thing you can say about a video is you would like to watch it again and that somehow it rewards you for watching it again and and that's why ted i'm curious like if on the second viewing you got something different out of the passport video for me watching skate videos is like kind of like tourism like i'm like oh what are these spots about like where where are they skating like what does this look like where are they and so the second time around i could focus more on the backdrop in some cases and Less on the tricks. There are But like with yeah. Jack O'Grady, I was just like, I remember like I wanted to see that double set backside 50 50 he did at that trendy Paris spot. Right. And like I like rewinded too, too far. And I was just like, holy shit, like this is three minutes back and he's still annihilating things. And that was very <laughs> impressive. Right. Like I was just like, oh my God, that fucking like 50 50 where he like always a gap onto the bar and then he pops into this horrible bank like right yeah he's amazing great like i want i want passport to be like the best company ever. yeah <laughs> on 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 that note there are two questions that i came up with after watching boom a couple times and the first one speaking of cool companies uh was all right well why isn't bobby de kaiser de kaiser why isn't he on quasi yet like why has that not happened because he's obviously on quasi but he's not really on quasi and the second question i had which is sort of the opposite of what you just said about passport is jesus like i'm trying to figure out why exactly i continue to think supreme is so fucking stupid <laughs> and i just can't i i haven't yet put my finger on it like watching that that yeah. boom video yeah. i, I really really thing. felt i felt it in my gut i was like god this shit is so fucking stupid no no what no. Why, why am i so against this so like a- aggressive like in my gut i, can tell you I the feel it i'm why like you're, fuck why that why hat so fuck those it. boxers i was so I can, pissed I can off I'll tell you why you're so conflicted about it. It's because like, because when when Ryan was talking about like how cool it is to watch people skate non-spots and how like I we just acknowledged that like the one thing missing from the passport video from Kitsch was like them just like hanging out. I was like because like since Cherry, I've now become accustomed to watching bros just hang out in slow motion, like making yeah. a fucking non-spot look cool. Yeah, and, the, right. the slow. The slow motion is a little egregious, but I do find that the the inner like when they something that is that is great that the Supreme videos have given us is like the montage of people skating a spot and sessioning it, and then also yeah yeah kind of yeah. making skate parts uh, a mix of B sides and skate tricks, which I think yeah, like right. really helps to break things up because it gives gives you time to understand how gnarly the tricks are that people are doing are you know right um because i which I, yeah. when it goes wrong when it goes wrong like in bless you get like a minute of ben cadow 
riding on wheels that are spinning, like, you know, like have lights in them, right? Like it can go wrong. It can go off yeah. the rails, but you're right. When it's right, it, it makes it feel like you're at a session or it makes it feel like the kind of ebb and flow of that, which is gnarly. And that, which is like very, very, very mellow and whatever. I yeah. mean, the constraints of the Supreme videos is that they have to market clothes. And so it's kind of hard to view it through the lens of what it would look like if it wasn't trying to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that like that has, I think Bill d- draws from and like the aesthetic of the, all those dudes that like kind of like oversee that brand. Like they, they responded to a certain era of skateboarding in a certain style and a certain set of like kind of conventions and skate videos that already existed. And so like Bill just draws from that and like expands on it and like has these like incredibly um, kind of radiant people that he yeah. used. But um, it does on some level, like I'm just like, I guess I kind of prefer this type of format thing to the just right. like part, part, part thing. Right. You know? Right. Like, like, like despite yourself. Yeah. And like, yeah. It's, Okay, so like I love the skateboarding in the passport video, and like that dude that had the crazy switchback set heels. You know what I'm talking about? The guy that like kind of like faced backwards before he did. Oh them. yes, I love yeah. that guy. Was the most relatable person in the whole video, and yeah. I remember thinking that I was like, I hope that I can. It's weird because he stands out so much from all the other skaters in the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, don't remember his name right now, and I I watched the video twice. Uh, the titles were tough. Yeah, an hour ago, and like. And like, I'm like, the reason maybe why I don't is because this is just still like a skate video. And maybe I would expect more from Passport just because it's like a a big thing. They have stores like, you know. Well, maybe that's maybe that's the kitsch then, right? That it's actually a traditional video format. I guess so. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's the kitsch. True. Maybe that's the kitsch. (laughs) Uh, well, I, I guess Ben Chadbourne has to fall under the sort of Bill Strobeck acolyte sort of umbrella, right? Like I feel Josh like you're Wilson. saying Chadbourne, like with a D, like he's a Chad. Shaborn. <laughs> Shaborn. My, uh, yeah, that's true. I am. Uh, Chad, apologies Chadbourne to works ben. for us in the, in the U.S. Yeah. Apolo- apologies to Ben. So he falls under the Josh Wilson, uh, like Benny Megliano, like all of them sort of are kind of Bill Strobeck uh students right like they're kind of all in the same school who made the passport video do we know anything about the guys who made it it was a guy named jeff <laughs> right jeff campbell yeah well to me to me it had a sort of jacob harris look to it right like it had that sort of mixture of via of rolling low angle sort of fisheye footage and then also the long lens that was mixed in there in a really tasteful way. Oh, that's an interesting formal, like, because I, I was sort of thinking like that Boom, I was, I, I thought that you were going to say about Boom and it was like, oh, well, like now Ben, who did the, did Purple, is now doing this for Nike, like this is just this whole thing. Huh. But guess, For Nike. Is Wasn't Boom like a Nike video or no? No, it was like a cons video, if anything. It's half the dudes are. I gotta say, the thing, the pro- a big problem I had with both of those videos, which is a, an issue that I have with a lot of the 
quote unquote good skate videos, like the trendy skate videos that come out, is that I cannot tell anyone apart because they all look the same. Yeah. I like agree. everyone yeah. everyone looks like a handsome guy at a Brooklyn bar. There's like a French fucking Donovan Piscopo <laughs> in that video. Yeah, it's like that, that kid that did the Wally over the stairs. Yeah. You know that one? It's like, like I was like, yeah. oh, that's like the French Donovan Piscopo. Okay. That yeah. was Kevin Rodriguez in in Boom, the last trick in the video. That was Kevin? Yes, yeah, yeah. He grew his hair out? <laughs> I had no Hockey. fucking idea and I like I'm a fan yeah. of him. Holy shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Some fan. I, I will say that the guys on passport tend to be sort of tall. So Yeah, there's some tall oh, no. ones. That matters. Every, I think everyone except for Callum skates Nikes in that video, which I guess is just gonna be the future of skate videos. Um but yeah, I definitely kinda had a a lot of trouble distinguishing between people, which it only uh, emboldens uh, Callum's part because he's he sticks out, especially because he he had a really uh. really great song too, and a lot of the yeah. songs in that yeah. video were um, kind of Flubby. In the, yeah they kind of felt like vaporwave or something yeah. um, and felt a little a little dated uh, like a like a couple years too old yeah. but uh, I mean you know the soundtrack was all right but then Callum Kitch. Callum had a really great song that. I don't even know who who sung that, but it was it was really nice and complimented his skating mm. very well. Whereas Boom had songs that we've seen in other videos, yeah, which seems to now be its own sort of sub strategy within videos <laughs> to like knowingly use songs that we maybe saw as recently as a year ago in other videos. I will say though, like if I'm like planning a trip to Paris, I'll probably rewatch Boom. Like I'll be like. I want to know like where that spot is, where that spot is, and I want to like do. It. I like that you say that like if, as if you're not always constantly planning your next trip to Paris. I know. Well, like that video was maybe curated to appeal to like a, an old skate fart like me that would like thinks of myself as being extremely continental. Uh, no, but the next time we go to France, we're going to Bordeaux. Um, oh yeah. Not least of all to go and see this thing that Leo Valls has made. Yeah, which goddamn right. Uh, yeah, I know. Other video was incredibly sick in the last kind of what was that? That was like a week ago or two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. Yeah, right. That's like the kind of model that I would imagine I would like to see a Ryan Lay kind of like uh, produce in the next yeah <laughs> right where he's skating but he's also talking about actually doing something like ripping with a brain yeah yeah and a school and a heart maybe yeah maybe one day and a map <clears throat> yeah leo's great and uh leo is great built in bordeaux with all the other skaters is amazing and listen to the interview we did with him if you haven't yet yeah the two of you did a great job with that should we go should we go to bordeaux yeah let's go to bordeaux what are we thinking like july uh yeah great all right Ryan, I'm supposed to go there next year with Welcome, I think. So, um, Ryan, just, like Ryan, July, get like July, get us on the team, dude. We're going. Yeah, let's do it. All right, see. Um, okay, so uh, should we should we do a funeral pyre? Yeah. Do we have things? I want to hear yours first. Oh, mine's pretty boring and like technical. Let's hear it. Um, I Is just want to. I, w- I would like to and further. <laughs> Hey, uh, I want to burn down the Thrasher web video player, which I fucking like argue with every time I go there. And given that Thrasher is now like the central artery of consuming skateboard media, it seems 
I mean, it's where I yeah. sure watch the, a whole lot of yeah. stuff on a, vi- like on a more most regular basis. It's like what NBC uh, used to be. But the two like, videos we talked I, about on this podcast just 20 minutes ago are not on Thrasher. Well, one of them we we have by ill begotten ways, right? Like I don't know why we have the passport video. No, <laughs> Should we mention that? Feel, I feel very like sketchy. <laughs> <having> <laughs> So yeah, okay. So my QuickTime player played my downloaded version of the passport video, and Boom was on Vimeo, which is wonderful. But yeah, no, like truly, I think the fucking Thrasher web video player is like a, a, a one of the blights of humanity right now. It, it, like, there's always a box in the way. I can't full screen it anymore unless I full screen the ad that starts before it. Like, it is a it is a terrible way to consume skateboarding, and I you know I can't believe that our like number one like most trafficked sort of skateboard. Again, Artery is so inept at showing me skateboarding. You better thank God that Ted's shooting photos for the Bible right now and he's not here to defend it. Uh, I don't know. What would he say? <laughs> I don't know what he would say. Like, it, it, it's no pop-ups are good. And It's funny that you say that because my my pyre actually relates to that, which is... Oh, great. Let's hear it. Actually, a defense of the Thrasher web player, which is music licensing. Uh, I've just realized that music licensing has just done a... Uh, uh, amazing job of just kind of hollowing out videos from medium-sized skate companies that can't afford to get good uh, soundtracks for their videos. And so, um, yeah, we just are left with fucking garbage skate videos that just like feel so lifeless. And a lot of that has to do with YouTube, but the one thing that actually counters that is the thrasher web player because you don't need to get licensing for it as far as i'm concerned and that that may have changed but i think in the last year uh the the model is that you can put content out through the thrasher web player without having to get music licensing and i know that this is tricky because a lot of people say like yeah you don't need i mean at least with uh with when we put out fetish we didn't get licensing for it we sold dvds and put it out through the thrasher web player and didn't have to get any sort of um signed contracts and yeah i know that it's Hmm. a it's a tricky situation because a lot of people think well you should pay artists but the thing that happens is that people don't do that they either pay really big artists and then they're basically just paying the labels or they go with something that they can get for free and the artists don't get paid um you know, that's, that's just what ends up happening. And so, um, I don't know what kind of models we could build for the future of like trying to get medium to small to medium sized artists to partner with skate companies to make videos and actually pay for some of the, um, the content. But I don't know. It's just, it seems like such a problem nowadays and trying to make skate videos is just, it's a nightmare because it's hard enough to find a decent song and, if you're yeah. trying to find a decent song that you can also get rights to, it's damn near impossible without twenty to fifty thousand dollars. You know, I mean that's interesting because the sort of like precursor to all this was that Element video, right, with Ad Nostum, who did all the beats for it, and people just hated that video, and it, not least of all because it was like you know ten year old Nyjah, but also because like musically, it, it it was just way too similar. They're all instrumental kind of. Um, you know, hip hop 
instrumental beats and they just weren't, they didn't offer enough variation. And I mean, I think one of the things that we all agree about skate videos is that they work best when there's like yeah. a strange kind of sequence that surprises you and catches you off guard and you don't expect to hear the thing when you're hearing it. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a really, really hard thing. I had no idea that Thrasher licensing was somehow different than YouTube licensing. Yeah, I, I mean, and again, that that may have changed in the last couple of years, but uh, as far as I know, you can get music without uh, getting a licensing agreement that will play on the Thrasher web player. But once they host it on their YouTube channel, which again, you get a lot more views if you end up on their YouTube channel. Um, because most people just watch stuff through their Apple TV, you know, or, or through their YouTube app. Right. Um, but you have a little more control and a little more flexibility with trying to find music that, uh, because, you know, you watch like the Mark Suchu part or any sort of new video that comes out, like the trend, which is, um, yeah, the trend, the trend in skate videos recently has been to use snippets of songs. Um, and you see that in the Suchu part where he's using four minutes of a, or he's using four separate parts in a song, which obviously that's an exceptionally long part, but trying to get the licensing agreements, all those songs, they must've paid a fortune. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. point. I never thought about that. Yeah. Oh, Suchu watch part. this, yeah. watch the Supreme video while thinking of that and, and understand that they use <laughs> Bob Dylan for like a, a minute and then they, they go into, they do Jay-Z and then they go into Bob Dylan and, it's basically like they're flexing their uh, music licensing well, yeah, they agreements. Really Carla, music licensor. Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's an inexhaustible budget, but the thing for you know writing for a company like Welcome or a yeah, know, but like small all to medium like sized brands, skate videos like they had shitty music always. Like like they're like that's not a good thing. Uh, it is because <laughs> it made me love shitty music, like. All like every fucking like, what's that like the amazing band that like was in Sick Boys and fucking H Street like Broken Pretty Thing like they like made like Danny Way's song Birds Fly High like or the, or the terrible song, song amazing video part like you know like that's always been the move like maybe y'all got like a little like pocket where like in the zero videos Jamie Thomas like could fucking fuck with it to hell would be thy name yeah but like. Um, it's always been that way. There's never been like, have you heard a four in one video? <laughs> you know, the songs fucking yeah, but, suck. But okay, so here's the thing though. Even a small shitty band oftentimes is signed to a label. And I have friends who are musicians yeah. like Sean Bonnet from AJJ. They don't have control over their music. In a, like, they can't just give me like the homie hookup to give me a, a licensing agreement to skate to their song. And, um, you know, in a lot of cases working with small labels, like you can get stuff for free, but that doesn't mean that there's not the headache of having to work with their lawyer or work with, you know, whoever's doing yeah, that so process, uh, at the label. And it's just, it's just another headache in the whole process of making a skate video. I agree. I just, I just sort of think that like the, the shittier, like the less options you have, the more creative you have to be. And like, and resourceful in some ways and like that means that like those bad songs will stick with you if you like the part but also i'm talking about like very different thing where there's like three video parts per year and like you have those songs versus like three thousand i mean it, 
Ryan, to go back to a, a sort of point you made earlier about paying artists, et cetera. I mean, it, it does, it is an, a, a terrible reality of our current world that the only way that a lot of artists ever make money is through licensing, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, if you're not selling albums and you're not getting paid for streaming, um, you're getting paid for touring and through your song, you know, if you cross fingers and happen to know the right people, like getting played over the credits of some Netflix drama, right? Like yeah. that's, that's the only way that a lot of these small, interesting, independent artists are getting paid at all. So it does, it, it is hard. Like, I mean, it's, it's another place where you just sort of shrug and throw up your arms and be like, well, capitalism, like this is, this is where we got ourselves right now. Um, but it, you're right. Like it, 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 it sucks to be, I mean, this is how it, it like becomes most insidious and, and hurtful and destructive is that now independent skateboard artists are like set against somehow set in opposition to independent music artists because what you want and what they want is actually the same thing, but you can't have it because the system has been set up mm -hmm. that they have to get paid and you have to pay, et cetera. It's grotesque. Yeah. And so oftentimes what happens is that people score their own projects and they don't pay small artists or they just use Bob right. Dylan and Jay-Z <laughs> who definitely right, right. don't need the money. And so, right. um, yeah, it's tough. And I mean, yeah, I don't even know where to begin because I, I have like, I, I feel like I'm coming from a place of writing for small to medium sized brands who don't have a huge budget. And so they're definitely not willing to pay, um, you know, definitely not over a thousand dollars for a song. And so it's just like, well, can you get the homie hookup from someone? And then you end up sacrificing a lot and the video projects, right. um, suffer because of it or, the alternative is just put it out on your own on YouTube without a brand and less people will see it or trying to put it out through something like, I don't know if Thresher's web player still does this, but yeah, you can, you can just put it out through their, their web player and not end up on the YouTube. So yeah, you're basically right. just like sacrificing views for, um, for quality or you're dealing with trying to get all the licensing agreements, which just a headache. Hmm. Burn it down. Uh, Ted, funeral pyre. Switch big spin heels. <laughs> Switch big spin heels. Say more about that, I Ted. I still like them. You guys went into such granular detail about Thrash's web player that I'm just like, you know, how, how I've seen three good switch big spin heels in my day i was just trying to think of who the three like who's done a good I, one. I'm, I'm like actually picturing spencer hamilton doing one and i'm not even sure if he's ever done one i liked i like yeah. the alex mole uh switch big spin heels that he was doing thank you that's a really beautiful yeah those, <laughs> that's those a good are nice. example um, they were like really well wrapped yeah yeah he would cast them like yeah you're right but like very seldom i feel like if you can do a switch heel foot burial, which I cannot, uh, you could probably wrap that <laughs> puppy around into a switch big spin heel and you just kind of crab, crab, like, uh, pose it until it comes around. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Make all switch big heels, switch very. Also, I, I have to give, you know, like by default, if, if two people are going to talk about, uh, web format and music rights, I have to say a trick. So 
Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Mole is an exception. Spencer, Spencer Hamilton, in my imagination, is an exception. Right. I'm sure he could do a good one. Spencer Hamilton. <laughs> Spencer <laughs> Hamilton. Ben Chadbourne. It's <laughs> Spencer Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's probably fuck. like one other person that has a good one but I can't, like Tiago probably has a sick switch big heel yeah yeah probably yeah, yeah it's tough uh, so is that the trick challenge for this week fuck no 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 oh no, no, no 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 uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think anyone except me did the, the trick challenge last week well, so. I'm sorry with all due respect the trick challenge hasn't even been issued yet because the episode hasn't come yeah, out that's true we have time all right uh, get your half yeah, those middles in so what's the what's the what's the trick challenge for this week who wants Let's to call it fakey nose grind type trick fakey nose grind yeah fakey nose first. grind works that's that's a little close to switch front nose isn't it no no come it's on. fakey it's fakey we got a theme too running where we've been doing a lot of fakey trick challenges so yeah, let's, let's keep it going. Uh, okay, fakey nose grind. Fakey back or fakey front? Uh, let's do fakey back. I like fakey back nose grind. Yeah, okay. All right, with it. All right. Kyle, fakey okay back nose grind. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not okay with any of this shit, but fine. <laughs> I can see you doing that. Fakey back nose grind. You got uh, probably, probably fakey on a curb. Heel into a fakey back nose grind. Well, is that the pro challenge? No, because the last one was a heel into the switch front. What's the pro challenge going to be? Fakey kick butt into fake back screen. That's cute. What about fakey shove into fakey back? Ooh, fake, yeah, do that. That's, that's a good one. Fakey shove down. to sw- switch back five zero. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, there it is. Okay, love All it. All right, do we have any Fuck. um any house cleaning? Anything to to make note of? I like this episode a lot. Yeah, I enjoy this episode. Pretty, it, it pretty stands out probably. Episode, the- I do like it. <laughs> I, w- I want to say if you're a if you're a, a musician or an artist, uh, please reach out to us because we always have projects that we're working on. I know I speak from personal experience, but uh, I will pay you directly and we always need stuff for the show and I always am looking for stuff with parts and I didn't want to the music licensing part of that uh, conversation to um, dissuade people from trying to get stuff in skate videos. Cause it's a really great way to, uh, grow your audience and build relationships with people. So if you're out there, uh, reach out to us because I know Ted always needs stuff for the show and I'm always in need of stuff for projects and can connect you with other people. Yeah, for sure. And also we should probably thank once again, uh, Alana Bryn, yeah, I think it's Bryn or is it Brian Alana, Alana uh, and for Krie- making the music, Alana and Krieger for making the music for our show yeah great oh, yeah. humans no doubt much gratitude all right we'll see y'all in a couple of weeks bye thanks everyone all right bye bye music in this episode was by alana brine you can find more of her music at alana.brine b-r-y-n-e on instagram or naive tracks.bandcamp.com check that out Our logo and graphic design was by Michael Warfel. You can find more of his stuff at Warfel, W-O-R-F-U-L. Check his stuff out. Super cool. If you really think about it, observed the morose August faller 
after staring stoically at their spritzer for what felt like ages. I mean, Dandrohobel as a woodworker is, by definition, late capitalism. The last dying gasp of a foregone, axiomatic conclusion. Brian Higgins and Betsy Gordon responded in stupefied silence, unable to dignify Fowler's jejune platitude with more than a nod. Not so with Cameron Jimmo, who shot Chris a fiercely conspiratorial look from across the table before holding forth. I wouldn't be so sure about that, said Cameron, because as has been well demonstrated by Damien Stewart in that famous exchange with Neil Shoemaker at Lars Garvey Lang Peterson's loft last week, Drahobel has always been a woodworker of sorts. Whether ripping an 8-inch thinkboard at China Banks or an AK-47 on Coder, the guy knows his way around the stunt stick. There's no denying that. Wait a second, interrupted Kristen Lukey, who had previously been in a heated debate concerning the cut of Sean Doyle's Levi's 550 jeans. You cannot equate Dan Drahobel's part from damage especially that backside stalefish he did at Benicia, with an artisanal charcuterie board. That is, quite simply, fallacious linear thinking of the most dangerous kind. Point taken, Kristen, piped in Evan Cunningham, who up until now had been talking about the latest James Martin part from the Jordan Galliano video, High Energy Skate Crew Part 2. But wouldn't you say that Jerhobel has always been something of an outlying artisan, especially in the early 90s cookie cutter days? Jerhobel skated with a timeless style and an undeniable panache, doing grabs when others flicked their boards, skating vert padless with a cigarette in his mouth. Yes, said Kristen, granted, but don't forget, Jerhobel also started Freedom Clothing. I don't begrudge him his timeless skating some 20 years ago, but look at those graphics today. They're unforgivable, Evan. And no cutting boards that are vaguely redolent of Aaron Fingers Murray Dogtown deck shapes are going to change that. It's kind of like what Nietzsche said about Wagner, piped in Josh Luff, to audible groans from the rest of the dinner guests. And what, pray tell Josh, did Nietzsche say about Wagner, said Lucy, with her typical sing-song enthusiasm. Well, he said that the Germans have modeled a Wagner for themselves, basically a Wagner that they all gladly misunderstand, that Wagner was the decadent par excellence of Europe because his art combined the three great stimulants of exhausted people, brutality, artificiality, and idiocy. Okay, Josh, so how does this relate to Drahobel? interjected Kyle Sirk. No, I totally get it, said Sag. Brutality, think about it. That's damage era Drahobel, doing wall rides to fakies with a cig in his mouth and those cut off green think pants. That clicks. And I suppose, added Luke Whitford from the other end of the table, that the fact that Drahopal skated for this amazing company that was basically a drug front checks the artificiality box. Right, said Sag. And I was looking at Terrence Stillen Rooney's old t-shirt archive yesterday, and let me tell you something, those t-shirts are the supreme expression of idiocy in the late 20th century. I'm sorry. But why are we comparing Drahobel to Wagner through Nietzsche's analysis of late 19th century Europe, said Sean? Because, said August, who himself was clearly horrified at how overblown his initial observation about Drahobel's cutting boards had become. I'm just saying, you know, late capitalism is all. We know, leave it at that, Max Chow and Wil William Rickman said in unison. A steely silence fell over the table. Drohobel's cheese board at the center, vaguely resembling a Hosoi hammerhead, remained untouched at the center of the dinner, cheese softening in the chilly evening air.